<laughs> to film class heroes, everybody. <laughs> Welcome. I am John. I'm Turner, of course. And there's no Cody, but it is the two of us. So unfortunately, Cody has a lot on his plate, and he has decided to take a break from the podcast. For however long that might be, we do not know. It could be right now. It's basically indefinitely, but. You know, we love this podcast, and we love doing it for you guys, and for ourselves, too. Um, Mm -hmm. And we would like to continue it. So it's going to be Turner and I for maybe the next two episodes, depending on how we feel about it. We may have a third eventually, but, you know, we're going to try just us, see how we feel, and then bring in a third if we need to. But, um, yeah, we're going to keep going. Yeah. Rest in peace, Cody. You will be missed. Yes, our RIP. Uh, we'll we'll put the address. RIP. <laughs> we'll put the address to send flowers. Yes, because he he actually died. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're being coy about yeah. it. What a loss. But um. But today we'll be talking about Five Nights at Freddy's to start mm-hmm. off with our episode. But first, we haven't had movie news in a while, so I do just want to kind of quickly discuss the current state of Disney and the MCU and et cetera with the release of the Marvels. Cause I haven't seen it yet. I'm sure we'll probably talk about it next week, but it's, you know, their biggest flop of all time. And Marvel is in the worst situation it's been in, in quite some time. No one really cares anymore to the point now where Bob Iger is meeting with Marvel executives, deciding how to proceed going forth. Oh, um, Yes, they have pushed back so many release dates that now only one Marvel movie is coming out next year, and it's Deadpool 3, which is now pushed all the way back to July from its previous February release date. Yeah. So Meeting with the big daddy, Bob. Mm-hmm. That's That must be stressful for Marvel, because they've been doing good so long. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, there's such you a sudden drop swing. of quality, and... We talked about this a little bit before, but I, is it just because of the over, you know, like when it comes to a lot of quantity, of course, you're going to have some bad eggs in there, but it's mm-hmm. just been a stream of bad eggs. So do you think it's just no one cares anymore? Yeah, I mean, I mean, the the movies, I mean, plot wise, character wise, I mean, they're so basic. I mean... people might i don't know like why people aren't but like maybe you know it's maybe it's even possible that people are just like realizing finally that like they're getting no like not even that they're realizing consciously i want to say like it's like subconsciously they like realize they're starving and so they're moving they're drifting off to like the million other options they have well, it seems in other news that Kevin Feige is, after Secret Wars, leaving Marvel and wants to do Star Wars. Really? Okay. Yeah. And I, I also, believe that he wants to do the same kind of thing where he wants five movies a year and eight million television shows. <laughs> oh, man. We already have. <laughs> I can't remember what I was going to say. Fuck. <laughs> That's okay. It happens. Well, so, like, do you th- think that anyone really cares anymore i mean i know there's still those marvel diehard fans out there i i used to you know i'm still i enjoy marvel i mean i'm really only there sticking around for spider-man which i feel most people are but even mm. with the release of the marvels with its negative reviews and its underwhelming box office people still kind of care i mean you get it there's a mm-hmm. good amount of people out there that are posting and being like oh so good like Marvel can do no wrong type thing, but I feel majority of its audience is just checked out at this point. They're trying so hard. There's only one movie coming out next year, but in 2025, they have six movies coming out. They're really oh. still trying. Here's what... I I wonder if that new Spider-Man movie is going to capture people's, like... Because is that Marvel? The Tom Holland Spider-Man 4? No. Well, is it? The just new one. It has a uh, Sydney Sweeney in it as Spider oh, the, Woman. The, is that Madam it's Web? Like a, yeah, Madam Web. I yeah. haven't even looked at. I heard that that was a thing. I didn't even look. 
Yeah, I well, I mean, I think that might be, that could pose to be a pretty, like, telling film to see how people react to it. I mean, Spider-Man draws its audience, you know? Mm-hmm. You just mentioned yeah. the name Peter Parker or Spider-Man or Miles Morales. You're going to have people in the seat. But I just, you know, that's the one thing they have left going for them. So let's not mess it up, please. But they're going to. Who cares about Madam mm-hmm. Web? So Madam Sydney Sweeney. Like, who cares? Is Madam Web being, like, made under, like, that Disney umbrella? It's not, like, the I mean, the it's Venom. probably Sony. I would have to look, but I'm assuming it's Sony, because Spider-Man's okay. still owned by them. Right. But even, even like, Venom, Venom 3, it was supposed to come out in February of next year, is now pushed back to November. So, even stuff with the Spider-Man brand. Wow. It, it's suffering. Yeah, They're I in think- dire straits. I think the end of the superhero movie you know trend is is among us i hope i hope i mean i hope so <laughs> well what do you like think's next Western. do you think it's video game movies like everybody's talking about they I just mean, announced it, the zelda movie too true so it, it i mean be. it could be that's the next place to like mine ips i think mm-hmm. is like the video if you're gonna go to like a another art form like a con like the comic books or that's yeah, i mean they're the making money Nights of freddy's was like the highest opening weekend for any Blumhouse movie, which isn't kind of saying much because they're made super cheap, but yeah. it's one of the highest <laughs> opening horror openings ever until everybody mm-hmm. realized that you could watch it at home and now no one's seeing it in theaters, but it's still making bank. <laughs> Speaking of Five Nights at Freddy's and whatever, we should talk about it. So I kind yeah. of want to. <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say because I found it to be kind of like very Blumhouse, like, numbers painted but the the painting the paint yeah. they got to use was the five nights at freddy's names <laughs> yeah i mean it's i didn't like it of course <laughs> okay yeah. it, is, it was i don't know it was five nights at freddy's and from what i remember because i remember you know when those mad pat videos came out right i would watch yes, them when i, I was younger and those Pat. so on from there yeah it's just like I feel like they took a lot of liberties with the, the lore from at least what I remember, but they did nothing with it. Like, I don't remember Springtrap controlling the kids with the drawings, etc. I guess spoilers for the Five Nights at Freddy's movie, by the way. Yes. Um, yeah, spoilers. <laughs> it just, just, like, stuff like that, and I don't really know how to explain it. I just feel like they took a lot of, I don't even want to say creative liberties, because there's really nothing creative in this movie whatsoever. But they took a lot of, they made a lot of changes that I don't think worked. And it's not even like the original Finance of Freddy's lore even really works. It was just made by a guy as a, like, screw you because his other video game got such negative reviews. Mm -hmm. And then it just took off. And I can't help but feel that MatPat over the last 10 years has kind of wrote the games for him. (laughs) I mean, half the stuff that he points out Scott Cawthorn definitely did not even intend and just watch this video went. No, for real. Yes. And, no, and Scott would, will change. Like he would, I like, I think it's a pretty, I think it's a known fact that he would like, he's, cha- he, he, he changed certain stuff in mm-hmm. response to like when Matt Pet would play a video, he would go and change shit. To make yeah. I mean, if, if someone's video is getting 20 plus million views based off of your own thing and they're coming up with random nonsense, I mean, you kind of take it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Be like, okay, oh, yeah i mean i'll go with it but i mean the movie itself just the most generic boring emphasis on boring just like nothing ever in the year out the other i'll probably never see it again i yeah i i was pretty just like i feel like they could like really like there's some like weird like crazy things that happen just because it's like five nights of freddy's like what? Give and me like, something crazy that okay. happened in the Five Nights at Freddy's movie. All right. The like, I mean, it's such a pivotal part of the game and stuff. But like the spring trap, I did like. Let, no, not not that. Let me pick a different one. What it closing in on Matthew Lillard? That was honestly, I I wasn't thinking about Matthew Lillard's character. I had forgotten about him, and when he showed up, I was like, oh yeah. Because I mean, they make the it so ob- they make it so obvious, you know. Pr- probably, I mean, purposefully, yes. probably that well, it's, it's that a baby Matt- movie. You have to have the twelve years in the audience not be confused. You know, like at the very beginning, and then he doesn't. There's not a whisper from him for 
rest of the movie, pretty much. And yeah. then he just shows up at the end, and he's her dad. And yeah, yeah, what was that all about? Is that a thing? Is that in the games? Because I'm not caught up to the games. All yeah, I know well, like, is that Vanessa... now, like, there's a 70s aesthetic, and everybody wants to have sex with Freddy Fazbear. That's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, like, who is Vanessa? She's in, like, is, Sister is... Location... Okay, and is she William Afton's son? And we, okay, this is see. This I don't know that. From either. what I remember, isn't William Afton and the purple guy different people? Also, like, are they not the same person? That's what I got from the games, from what I remember. To be quite frank with you, I, I, uh, I that was well, also exactly. my no, no, conception, right. but I have no idea. <laughs> exactly. Well, because we're not the demographic for these games; they're made for twelve to fifteen year olds mm-hmm. and for furries that want to have sex with Freddy Fazbear. It's, you know, I, I might fall under that second category. Um, no. <laughs> I, I don't know. The furries and the, the suits, the the actual, like, animatronic, like, props, pretty good. Do you look like pretty them? Good. Yeah. They look good. I think, I think they, they... They look fine. Yeah. But it, they, they look okay, but never once in the... Am I watching it and not aware that there's someone in that suit? I don't know, like... They look okay, they look like animatronic suits, but they move very much like an actor trying to be a robot. You know, I, I don't know how to oh, really so you just, like, phrase it properly. I just, like, really appreciate, like, just how well good they looked, and I just, I, I did it's feel cool like they... they put the effort, yeah. I just thought they looked real good, and it's by the Jim Henson Company, apparently, which was, yeah, like, the little like, fun fact I want to throw in there. They still, like... CG over a bunch of it. Like, it looks okay. It looks fine. And you can tell that there's, like, people cared and put the effort into the costumes and it looks okay. Mm-hmm. But, like, again, what I'm saying is you, you, they and not... They don't have people... I don't know how to explain what I'm trying to say in the right... They don't move like robots. They move like people in the suits. And only one time do they move like robots, and it's that meme where Josh Hutcherson's crawling around and Freddy just goes, oh, I see you, like, and just, like, he leans over towards the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the only time. But aside from that, it's either CG, which defeats the purpose of making the costumes in the first place, or it's just a super stiff costume with someone trying to move around in it. I don't know. It didn't look very convincing to me, but I appreciate the the attempt and dedication to make it look realistic. Mm-hmm. It works when they're standing still. And that's another issue. The game, you're flipping through cameras, and the only time you're seeing the animatronics, they're standing still, aside from when they kill you. Mm-hmm. That's, here, you know, you're going to have to face the struggles of having them move and make them look scary, whereas in the game, it's such a limited environment, and they're behind a blurry security camera, and you're like, oh, that looks uncanny, that looks creepy. Mm-hmm. But here, you know they don't look very creepy because you're seeing them move around and it doesn't look scary. And then you have random scenes where they're playing with a little girl and Bonnie falls over and they all go, oh no, look, it's so funny. Like It's just very, very confusing. Are we supposed to be scared of these things or are we supposed to enjoy their presence? Well, I, well, I think the movie kind of like wants you to think that because like, like the whole uneasiness that he, like uh, the main guy, Mike, he like feels towards Mike them, <laughs> Mike Schmidt. Yeah, Josh Hutcherson. Have you? Do you have TikTok? I do. Have you been getting it's, all the 2014 Josh Hutcherson edits with the whistle song? I <laughs> yeah. It's every other video on my feed. <laughs> uh, it's lucky. Ha- it luckily hasn't been as overbearing as some people. Oh my god, it's insane! I got a really good one though, where it was like Let's a view of a landscape in Scotland. And you, and it was just like squint your eyes, and when you squinted your eyes, you can make out the outline of it. <laughs> that was that one was good. <laughs> it's everywhere, and Josh Hutcherson does nothing in this movie. Just saying. And I'm I'm pretty. I, I try and you know dig into like the personal story and such. Mm-hmm. It, even if it's like something like this, where it's it it comes across a bit standard. And kind of just like, like, are you saying you want to connect with the characters? Yeah, and mm-hmm. and well, like no, like specifically the the characters, like why me? The annoying is, little girl is like even. I like to try and give the movie a little bit, try and see what it's trying to do, right mm-hmm. before I just write off these characters. But like the the little 
Like, they, like I just, I could not. Damn it! No, she's so annoying. She's so annoying. And then the the whole subplot with the aunt and child custody. I mean, you you know damn well. Yeah, like the, the child custody thing. Movie. That's a great example of what like they're trying to bring all this new lore with the Mike guy, mm. and it it kind of the movie feels completely separated from mm-hmm. the five it's nights two different at, movies. at Freddy's. Like, well, but he feels out of place even, Mike. Like, within the world, yeah. like, within the, like, this, like, like, they're trying to make this Five Nights of Phrase, and there's all these weird, like, Five Nights of Phrase thing that happen, and he just, like... There's too much of an age difference between him and his sister, too. I always thought that that was his daughter the entire time. Uh, yeah, I was like, is it... have to say it. I was, I was struggling, like, is this her brother, or what? Yeah. The whole time. And, and like, it's just, as the director of this movie, you know, and because in many press interviews she said this, they made a PG-13 because they know a lot of the demographic for this movie are younger audiences. So as a younger audience member, who wants to go into Five Nights at Freddy's and watch a movie where 40% of it is a child custody debate between a, a very comically evil aunt and her lawyer that just wanted mozzarella sticks and was my favorite part of the movie. But who who cares? No one cares. There's not enough animatronic nonsense in it for anyone to be entertained. It was just so boring. Remember when we discussed yeah. that it was going to be a three-hour runtime? It's an hour and a half, and it feels like three hours. Imagine if this had a three-hour runtime. No, I would die. <laughs> we'll talk about unnecessary three-hour runtimes next week with uh, Hunger Games, but we'll get into that later. Okay, so we are going to talk about the Hunger Games movie because I, I've also I've yes. already seen it, but I really want like to talk, talk about, about that movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah. we will. <laughs> Good, because that movie was like really fascinating to me. Yes, we'll uh, get more in-depth into yeah. it next week. I, I feel like, like so every everything that this movie, I wa- this movie I watched like almost three weeks ago at this point, I'll be honest. And and every moment that like I remember sitting there in the theater being like, that's kind of a fun moment, a little good idea, but all these moments are so fleeting and like and it's it's all it's just like a little idea. You know, it's it, it's not something that builds out ev- really. Like nothing in this movie yeah. builds out in a way that I find no. engaging at all. And there's no there's no character development, and any character development that's attempted to be there is so completely muddled. Like, you have that Vanessa character, right? Who mm-hmm. shows up at the pizzeria, right? And is like, why are you here? Oh, I work the night shift. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. And then the people break in. They get hired by the ant to break into the place, right? They destroy it, etc. And then she gets pissed at him and is like, this is your fault. You're not allowed to come back here or I'm gonna shoot you. Okay. <laughs> it's your job. <laughs> like, and then, then she goes away for the rest of the movie and comes back at the end just to save him and be like oh I'm William Afton's daughter just so you, the movie's not confusing for the, the babies in the audience mm-hmm. and, and nothing happens with Mike Schmidt the entire time he ends the same stays the same the animatronics nothing happens with them other than okay correct me if I'm wrong the last time we see the ant is when Freddy gets out of the pizzeria and she's laying face down on the floor did Freddy kill the ant and then they just move on, like, it's never bought up ever again for the rest of the movie. Yeah, I mean, they never say if she died. No, like, <laughs> is she just dead? She's gonna <laughs> then, come then back. No one cares? <laughs> She's gonna come back in the next one. Oh, with the, That's the what, five Five Nights at Freddy's I think I, I think me and my friends actually, like, made a joke about, <laughs> about how she's gonna come back and, like, try and take <laughs> the little girl away again. How, uh, how was your audience? It was fine, actually. It it was a lot of young people. Like it, yeah. they were all like under thirty, you know, at least. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, you know, none of them were parents. Uh, there were a couple, like like the the people who were His parents like, don't want to go see it. They, they no, drop off their kids and yeah. go home for two hours. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's, it's PG thirteen. There are no parents. Nothing. I, I was mm. probably one of the oldest people there. <laughs> Really? Yeah, no, me too. It was a bunch of like, I, it was like. Well, think about it. It came out when we were what, like, oh yeah, a little older than you. I was like fourteen when Five Nights at Freddy's came out, right? And it so was now, around literally then. ten years have passed, mm-hmm. and we're all grown up. So it's a bunch of people, you know, our age wanting to see the thing we grew up with on the big screen. 
Mm-hmm. But there are children in that audience that weren't born when Five Nights at Freddy's came out. <laughs> They're just hopping on the hype train. <laughs> My goodness. That's crazy to think about. And we do have to talk about the the it, gore and the violence. Yeah. That, that's a, the big thing that everybody's talking about. Does the Five Nights at Freddy's movie necessarily have to have gore and violence? I don't think so. I mean, you look at the games, they get away with almost no violence. Well, there's violence, but no gore. And everybody's still terrified at it because it's jump scare phenomena, whatever. Right. So yes. I don't think it should. It's welcome. Mm-hmm. But the movie does nothing with it. Like, it, you can tell it tries to appeal to those people that are like, oh, I want I want an R-rated Five Nights at Freddy's version, which you'll never get. Sorry to break it to you, audience. It was, it was, like, it, maybe something would have helped to make it at least a little frightening, because it's not scary whatsoever. The worst you see is, oh, Bonnie's in a closet with angry old man. It just cuts to the outside, and you see a bloody hand on the, on the, on the window. And then, <laughs> yeah, sure, you get to see someone get bitten in half. But yeah. you don't see anything. It's it's a it's a two frame silhouette with no blood. I don't know. It needed something to make stakes, but doesn't necessarily have to be there. No, but there's no creative passion behind the direction to make it scary without there being gore, because no one cares. Yeah. No one cared making this movie. <laughs> well, who would be the? I you just said something that made me wonder who would be like the good like the best like r-rated like art house five nights at freddy's director you know <laughs> like like who could you give this who could you give this ip to and they would like nobody grab Matt it Pat. <laughs> Matt, Matt Pat. he's the only one that cares <laughs> he's the only one oh. the cupcake no one else. i wasn't expecting the cupcake to be such a big thing either oh so stupid. So stupid. I the first name that popped it's not in my scary, head. It's though, funny. Was like Lars von Trier. <laughs> I haven't seen <laughs> any of his movies. Now, you know, okay, you know what? I have an answer for you. Pre Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson. Like Meet the Feebles, Peter Jackson. Yeah. Peter Jackson. That is that's maybe, the right maybe answer. <laughs> that maybe he could do something. <laughs> Lock Peter Jackson and all of his friends on a 40-acre compound in New Zealand and force him yeah. to make a Five Nights at exactly. Freddy's movie. <laughs> Harping back to the old days. Uh, you know what? If Yeah, if you want Meet the Feebles, that's such a good pick. That's such a good shout. <laughs> Imagine those are the cast songs I wish the Five Nights at Freddy's did they sing one song in this actually? Um, like, no, they had that. They had that '80s pop song as the main thing, which I don't even remember, oh. and I don't want to because it got stuck in my head the whole time. There was this funny little. Uh, there was a shot that, re- like, when they like electrocute everything or whatever, like to sneak when by. The girl hits Bonnie's guitar. Oh no! Yeah. Oh that. Oh that. The, the guitar. Like, yeah, like the electric. Goes, the le- that works too. The electricity <laughs> effects and the way she like flew back, it just it reminded me of that first live action Scooby Doo movie. <laughs> nice. Matthew Lillard, Cinematic Universe. Yeah. So he he's like he's like he, he, he got in the director's room, he's like, Hey, uh, you know, we did this thing. I think you could do something <laughs> this similar. This has to happen in this movie, or I'm not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> it's in his contract. I want to yeah. see a little girl almost get electrocuted to death. Yeah, every contract with Matthew Lillard has a little girl wire wire pole in the movie. <laughs> He's a very cool dude. I was an interview conducted with him in my office recently. And oh. I did not know how massive of a person he is. He's 6'4". He's huge. Dang. Yeah, that's a, he's, he's a beast. A tower. Yeah, I don't know. Finance of Freddy's typical Blumhouse movie that I'll never watch again. It was... Yeah. I'll watch the sequels, though, because for the meme. Yeah. But that's the thing. There's not even good memes from this movie. Like, ugh. Yeah, like, what people were What weren't... wasted meme potential? Yeah, because you could go so crazy. Like, if you just went, like, gonzo with it. I think this movie yeah. would turn like if you just threw if you just like randomly put your hand in a bag of lore and threw it at a wall, it'd probably be better than this like movie. Like Matt Pat. Like it'd be <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it'd be more entertaining than this movie probably. It'd be more engaging and creative. But hey, that's just a theory. For real. <laughs> oh god. Uh, two out of ten. 
Oh, what was? What'd you give it? Two out of ten. I originally, when I saw it, I gave it an even five. But okay. on further reflection, it's a three out of ten. Yeah, you're too kind. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that one extra little number. Yeah. It's too much. Also, you know what? I have one more thing to say. Yeah, Bootleg sure. Kim. Vanessa. Like Bootleg Kim? Kim from Better Call Saul. Wexler. Oh. <laughs> Bootleg Kim Wexler yeah. looking. Isn't she in that movie Countdown? I saw that when that came out. No, I, Where you she... can download that app on your phone that tells you when you're going to die. Oh, I really want to see that. <laughs> I think I, I'm pretty sure she's the main person. It's so bad. That's a shame. Maybe we could talk about it one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we <laughs> countdown. Oh, we also saw another movie, New Scorsese. Speaking, Killers yeah, speaking of Flower of, Moon. Oh, speaking of theories, this one is not a theory. It is solved. Yes, yes. I tried. <laughs> no, no, you're <laughs> no, good. It's clever. I want to hear what you. I'm so excited to hear this to to have this discussion about what I thought about yes, Killers of Flower Moon. I, I thought it was okay. <laughs> wow, okay. I thought it was fine. Mm-hmm. It it was a Scorsese movie where he tried not to make a Bob movie, but then just made another Bob. What did you think about it? Because I feel like you're gonna love it. I I was pretty blown away by it. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. <laughs> now you read the book, right? I did. How was that? The book is amazing too. And and is it? There yeah. any changes and stuff? I mean, spoilers for Kills of Fire Moon for whoever's listening. There are. Are there any? There are some changes. Now, the biggest change is perspective, right? The book is like mm-hmm. this historical book about the birth of the FBI. And the, the movie is from the perspective of Ernest Burkhart. Leo? Specifically. Yeah, Leo's character. Who Molly's husband, you know, poisons her. William K. Hale's nephew, all that. He is, he's very important in the book, too. But the, the things I noticed the most that were changed was, one, in the book, it's, it's, it's it, he, David Grand, the guy who wrote it, he more, like, unravels the story, and he's, you know, you know, he, he reveals secrets to you. While this movie, like, at least for someone who had read the book and knew, like, what happened, like, just went in, like, chronological order and did not do that at all. And it just showed you the chronological actions that Ernest took. Which, for someone who had just read the, who had read the book, and it was, like, a really fascinating perspective to see it from this insular and in a, the chronologicalness of it. Because while there is a certain chrono- chronology to the book, you learn through you learn the information of what happened through all the FBI informants and such, and so mm-hmm. you're you you always get you get the information after it's happened always. Do you feel this would have benefited more to stick to book form, or do you think it was fine being translated to the big screen? I think it was fine. I think like I think picking Ernest too. Was like picking a character well, a question for to you. show the movie f- through. How long is the book? Yeah, the book is three, almost like three hundred pages. Even it's like two ninety seven. Okay, so so why is this three and a half hours long? Because it's my biggest complaint with the movie. <laughs> it did not need to be this long. Like I understand, like you're Martin Scorsese, right? Mm-hmm. You can do whatever you want. You've made. Some of the greatest films in cinema. You've made your mark in the industry. You're, you're in your mid-80s, like I understand. But again, I have this issue with Nolan. I say this all the time. Like It seems a little pompous and a little selfish. I don't know. Like It didn't need to be that long. I felt the movie, around the point when Jesse Pelmans shows up, mm-hmm. is when it suffered the most. Because it was fine up until then, and I really was not feeling the pacing. But as soon as Jesse Pelman showed up, it dragged for me. I just I was waiting for it to end at that point. That it's not that it, it's not that I wasn't though. enjoying it, and it was fine. It's just like condense it a bit, man. <laughs> you know, it's so you you saying that about the FBI about Jesse Plemons, which is when the FBI really starts getting involved in the movie, right? Mm-hmm. 
And the book is that when you liked it the most. Oh no, that is the part that is the most compacted and trimmed down and simplified. Really? Yeah, there's so much more complexity to like the real like FBI side of the story to this that Marty completely mm-hmm. erases in favor of focusing Gritty. on yeah sorry i, I should <laughs> i'm not on first name basis with this guy but <laughs> you know and hey look i follow his daughter on tiktok i, I guess <laughs> True. i guess that's a pretty close relationship <laughs> yeah you can call him marty <laughs> marty yeah you know i see him on tiktok that's what <laughs> uncle marty <laughs> Hell, yeah. uncle scores Uncle scores. <laughs> yeah, so the the FBI part is it is like is super trimmed down, and the like the trials way like Ernest. There's much more back and forth with Ernest with and the FBI, and there's also a lot more stopgap between like the trial and you know and like and, and when. And the rest, and and also when, like, in that first trial day, when they first go into the courtroom, uh, Brendan Fraser, the lawyer, is like, this is my client! This is my God, client! He felt so out of place. Ugh. That was so, tr- that was, like, that really happened, though. <laughs> Do you think like, they recorded that before the whale? I don't know. Because, like, I, like, it, this movie has Brendan been... Fraser so if, if they didn't record it before the whale though because like they knew the success of the whale and how his performance was a long time ago like three years ago at this point mm-hmm. so i can't help but feel they had to record it during because they kind of felt like oh brendan fraser's back on the rise like let's throw him in this movie but it kind of felt like a mcu cameo like <laughs> it was he does he just comes like, oh, out look, i know who that is nowhere absolutely nowhere one of the big uh, moments that was kind of emphasized that showed like how Brendan was coming back was that he was cast in this movie. I remember when he was cast, oh, okay. it was like treated as kind of like part of his return, okay. almost. So I might At be least wrong, when I but remember, I you know, it just felt really out of place. And this it was just kind of like uh, kind of how I felt watching Oppenheimer. It was just like. Every five minutes, someone new showed up. It's like, oh, I know who that actor is. He, oh, that guy. Yeah, Brendan Fraser. Specifically, when he showed up, it did feel like that, though. I know exactly what you yes. mean. Like it, it was like a moment. Mm-hmm. And I will. I'll say this movie in terms of like, if you're like a, if like so, if you're like an adaption fiend and like everything being exactly the same and like right, mm-hmm. like uh, until the FBI shows up, where he like he condenses it a bit. This movie. I mean, it's exactly. It's it's what happens in the book. Well, then I guess I liked Scorsese's stuff more than the adaptation because I thought the first hour and a half was the most compelling to me. I liked mm-hmm. the buildup. I liked the, you know, like, where is this going? But yeah. once it got to the resolution, it just didn't need to be that long. And again, we'll... No, I don't even want to say that. I was going to say we'll get into it next week with Hunger Games too, but that's uh, too spoilery. Mm-hmm. But... It just this you know, movie no could have ended so much earlier. <laughs> what you, I mean, I won't go into anything with the Hunger Games, but this movie and the Hunger Games movie, great sister films. I think. I think it yeah, deals both for wrong reasons. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I think thematically, you know, I think it's got some. Oh no! Look, no, I do. I see it. I might be on my shit, but I think I see it. <laughs> oh god! Yeah, Leo. Leo did a very good job. But honestly, I think the best actor in the movie, and I won't say this often, but I think De Niro killed it. Ooh, he's, he's a great actor. He's just, he's so, you know, like it's expected to be a great performance from him. Right. But I feel that his role in this is purposely toned down, like his, his performance. Mm-hmm. And in a, in a really good way, and it allows him to do more things with facial expressions and body language, not so much just a bombastic performance. And I really enjoyed it. I, I, every time he was on screen, I thought he kind of commanded it. I was pretty yeah. impressed with how he was in this. Well, Leo was fine. It was just a typical Leo performance, but mm-hmm. I liked seeing De Niro do something different. And he looked really funny in those goggles. Oh, yeah, that- <laughs> I got a kick every time he showed up in those goggles. <laughs> Man. Yeah, I loved 
that's I think that that's that's I'll let you in on that. That's that's also like very William Hale, how he like very much. Mm-hmm. They all look similar to their real life counterparts from the photos that I've seen, which is cool. Yeah, they, mm-hmm. I would say so. And yeah, I, I thought he did really good. And uh, what, what's the name of the Lily Gladstone? Is yeah. that her name? She's very good as well. She was my favorite. I heard she was going to quit acting before this too. Mm-hmm. That's what I was hearing. I heard she was like, like she was like literally filling out a resume or like going like or like mm-hmm. a school something like something to go back to school. Mm-hmm. Hi, dog. Yeah, my little, little, little pup. I. Well, Give me one moment. I'll, I'll say something That's about fine. William Hale when I get back. I love those goggles that William. <laughs> I do love, funny. and his glasses. I've been seeing a, the most talk about this movie that I've seen online is about. I don't know why I've been seeing a lot of talk about like his the design and like the use of the owl in the movie. The owl. Yes, I really like the owl. Right, I love the owl. Well, because the owl is my favorite part of the movie. He's very owl-like, you know. <laughs> Yes, well, the owl mm-hmm. symbolizes a lot, and I thought that was the mm-hmm. coolest part of it. Yeah. And I like the whole idea of, you know you're going to die when you see the owl. I think yeah. that's pretty cool. I also think the owl is, Marty, Martin Scorsese, when he like was doing some press, he mentioned that he was really influenced by Ari Aster for this. Really? Yeah, like this movie, he was really... and In what way? I... Well, I caught. I felt like the owl. At least when I first saw it, it felt kind of like Aster, like kind of like this. Like, have you seen this more than once? No. Oh, okay. I have not. But like, I, I was prepared for the owl and to like really pay attention and look for like owl stuff mm-hmm. because I had like seen people talk about it, and and like the owl itself kind of just felt because it it would always go silent and it would always. Like, yeah, but I like that. And it would feel, like, disconnected in that Ari... Like, disconnected... Yeah, like yeah, oh, no, totally. In that Ari Aster way, you know? Like, where it fills you with, like, a void of... And that void has nothing but paranoia. Like, only paranoia can come back. It can come yeah, into... We'll get into that on the, the recommendation for today. Oh, yeah. I, that, I thought... I felt that movie, too, was kind of, like... It was a nice... It, 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 like it's, it, it was nice. We'll get into it. it. Nice. We'll get into it. Yeah. Uh, it was nice to see it <laughs> along with this. Yes. And, uh, but my, my other issue with this movie is, I, again, you're Scorsese, I understand, blah, 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 blah. But he could at least try and do something a little... You know, you can make a movie three and a half hours, at least try and do something a little interesting, technically. Oh, wait. I forgot how bad the ADR is in this movie. No, oh, no, my no, lord. No, no, no yeah, I, that was like, that's probably it's one some of the I, worst ADR I've ever seen. I've, I really like caught some rough ADR moments. It is so bad. When there was that big explosion and Leo and his wife are in the bed and he says an entire line and he doesn't move his lips once. Yeah, uh-huh. Like, you would expect so much more from someone like Scorsese. And there's also nothing really special happening technically. Especially with, like, the ADR, but the camera work and the sound design, like, nothing special. There's one memorable shot I can think of in this movie, and it's the final shot of the movie. So it took three and a half hours to get to it. Oh, well, I thought the... I mean, I liked the shot of where they discovered the oil and stuff. I thought there were plenty of, like, emotively yeah, composed right. shots. Well, I liked them. Um, I thought there was a really nice shot also when... And the fire? You can see the silhouettes through the fire. Yeah, yeah oh, I liked that. That whole scene. That was fine. And the, the score for the movie is also, like, fine, but there's no progression. Like, at all. It kind of reminded me of, like, how I'd rather just watch There Will Be Blood for the 80th time. Because the score in that movie is very much the same throughout. But at least when things come to a head, there's a progression. And it starts to change. Here it's the exact same score the entire film. Yeah. The, and, and the score is supposed to change with the story and the characters. The score was done... By Robbie Robertson, and I did kind of feel it was a little light. Like there was something stuff that was just used, and I was like, it was. I was like, this has been used a couple times too many. Like there's this mm-hmm. particular like one that's like this, like it's like this. It's it's really minimal. It's like basically just a baseline. I don't even know if it's mm-hmm. a bass. Yeah, it's probably Robbie Robertson's guitar or something, and it's just like this. Mm-hmm. and then it does like this little riff and that's it and that came up a lot and it, it that bugged me a little bit yeah i just wish there was more i do th- I, especially 
There you go. Oh, I was going to say about the, uh, like, the ADR, like, I, I want to so know bad. what the making of this movie was like, because I know it was, like, right during COVID, and, like, you know, this movie was first, first started shooting, like, like, it started shooting, like, three years ago, like, three years before it yeah, came right. out, or, yeah, I, maybe it was just the casting, but, like, it, it like, it, it's been, like, this movie's been coming for a while, like, I don't know how old mm-hmm. these performances are, they're certainly not, like, last year new or anything so i think like as more details come out like of how the movie was made well it's not even like i I, the bad adr was throughout the whole thing but it was especially Mm -hmm. with de niro and i think it might just be because he's old (laughs) like he might have like said a few lines and one of the lines sounded a little muffled or he kind of slurred a little bit right and um they might have had to fix it in post. But there are also so many lines that I feel are just directed for the audience. Like, scenes where he'll do something, and there'll be no dialogue. And then at the end of the scene, he'll just say what he did, just in case anyone in the audience is confused. And I hate that kind of stuff. Like, you're Mm -hmm. watching a three and a half hour Scorsese movie, your audience is going to be mature enough to pick up on things. You don't have to tell everybody. Yeah, quite quite the different crowd from Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, really? Mine was the same? Oh, (laughs) I'm just <laughs> Everyone in this theater was like fifty and older, <laughs> except for me yeah, and mine my was friend. A bunch of twelve-year-olds. <laughs> well, you know, hey, I my friend's sister loved Oppenheimer, so and she was like thirteen, so. <laughs> so take your kids to see Killers of the Flower Moon. Hell yeah! I do like bring bring your owls. Bring your owls, yeah. <laughs> I do feel like this movie allows... Oh, actually, I got distracted. From, the other Ari Aster thing is when when the mom dies and everything goes silent and all of a sudden her ancestors, like, appear. Or, like... You know, how much of it's an Ari Aster thing than just, like... That's just... Well, I think that was... well fine filmmaking. Well, because Scorsese is calling to Aster... Is I think it's the particular way the supernatural, the sudden, the, you know, the sudden in like input of the supernatural or the surprising in a movie that is I pretty grounded, you know, in realism. For yeah, but you're 99% also messing, you know, you're telling a story about a culture who is extremely spiritual. So well, it's yeah. just kind of expected within your story. Well, but that that's why Mari found it so useful to mm-hmm. why he drew inspiration from Astor, right? And I wouldn't say it was Astor unless Marty. You know, I just find like that I I find it interesting that you know how the influ how at least the parts that I'm seeing the influence come through. And like mm-hmm. the the tone and like and and usually when there's like these like supernatural moments there's this awkwardness or like like the the quiet moments in Astor's films there's like this you know the paranoia and awkwardness but when she when she dies when she, when the mother passes though it it is a different emotion it, it's like it's more just like this is just what we need to do this is just the next step you know mm-hmm. and you know, because she's accepting her death and and she's having to leave with the past I mean that was fine I'll probably never see it again and I think at least trim an hour off of it. And if not, it's an Apple movie anyway. Just make it a miniseries. <laughs> Apple. <laughs> Three episode miniseries on Apple TV. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't really have much more to say about it. It was a typical Scorsese movie. Yeah, I. Henry Graham. Sergio Simpson is in this movie, along with Jason Isbell. There are a couple uh, country yeah. music. Yeah, Jack White Jack was in White's it. Too. A, yeah, the Jack White. Yeah, yeah, that was there's weird. a couple of musicians. Uh, how do you in feel here. about that ending? By the way, we didn't really talk about the ending. The ending, like just Scorsese like where it appearing. Cut. Oh, oh, I thought yeah. that was awesome. Yeah, it was. It, cool. was, it was just very abrupt and it kind of hurt the pacing, but it was cool. I like the idea of it, and uh, I I think it also that I love because it makes you, if he he came up with the perfect like words to force you to think. At the end of the movie, because he gives her, were they? I don't remember. Yeah, it. he he gives her eul- he gives Molly's eulogy 
it says if I had the book, I would read it to you verbatim. But you know, like she was loved and yada yada, lived with the Osage. You know, just kind of gave a basic summary of her life, and in like three sentences, and they says the murders were not mentioned. That's the last line of the movie, and then it goes to the drum. You know, the circle. I like the drum. The drum that was best shot of the movie. Because, like, it forces you, like, the this movie, at least for Scorsese, like, he, like, he, like, found the book, and then, like, he, he talks about, like, how he had this revelation that the movie needed to be from, like, like, not about the FBI, it needed to be, like, about Lily, about Molly, and, like, about the Osage. Like, this was a story about the Osage, not the FBI, mm-hmm. and fuck, where's I going with that? And the movie was a lot about, like, about the, the perspective of story and about what stories get told. Like, for Marty, like, I, that's why I hear him talk a lot about, I've heard him talk a lot about in the interviews. And... Are you okay? I'm, well, I wanted to, like, support, like, my thing with some, like, some, like, I wanted to build up to it. But then I just, like, got lost in talking about it. Yeah, it was, it was fine. I don't have much more. I'm gonna mm. give it a seven out of ten. I'll be nice. I might go to a six, but I'll give it a seven. What about you? Uh, I gave this movie a nine. A nine? Yeah, yeah. It was wow. Hey, the moments of ADR I mean, and stuff—that nice stuff. Critic. No, it doesn't. It it doesn't distract me from like everything else. The story. Yeah, I mean, like I think the story is just told exceptionally well, and it gives you—I mean, it gives you everything that happened. It gives you all the vileness of it. I mean, there's a moment in the book where where David Grant tries to point out like the vileness, like like try and, like I feel like he's trying to reach out, and make it even more understandable, and hit home more. Is because when they blow up Bill Smith's house, you know, they're killing a couple of Native Americans. They're killing a Native American, the No Sage's husband. You know, he's a race traitor, anyways. But they then they also kill the maid, who is this white woman. Mm-hmm. And David Grant, the bo- book points out like that they'll even kill this like young maid, and or the guy that gets stabbed in D.C. is another point he makes. Mm-hmm. Like, like who are these people that would do this so yeah. evilly? And and he's pointing out more so like it even goes against the like entrenched racism, like so even the systematic stuff. Like just the pure mm-hmm. evil, but also how? But but you know, of course, yeah. So that was. I'm really pissed. Well, I can't remember what I wanted to say earlier. <laughs> so last week, Cody recommended a film. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mister Cody. This is his last recommendation, and it was a very interesting one, and I would like to talk about it with you. So the recommendation was the 1997 film called Cure. By not Akira Kurosaka, but <laughs> what was his name? Kiyoshi Kurosaka. Mm. If I'm butchering that, I apologize, but I think think mm. I got it. About a um, detective tracking down some murders, trying to figure out what's going on there. And if it's okay with you, I would like to talk about this film without spoiling much. I kind of want to leave it slightly oh, yeah. vague, because I feel like this is one of those films where the less you know about it, the better. Yeah. I went into it completely blind, other than having it on my watch list, knowing about it for years. And I thought it was excellent. Like, I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, this movie was phenomenal. Honestly, one of the better movies I've watched in a very long time. So thank you, Cody. And I'd like to talk about it. So you start. I want to hear what you thought about 1997's Cure. I think the movie tricked me, first off. Well, yeah, I think that's the point. Oh no, no, I mean, I think it, I think I'm still in the trick. I mean, I don't think I have this movie figured out. I don't think I have. I, I don't know what was real. I, I, I didn't even, you know, much like the ending of. I'll be honest, the ending of Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. I even considered that some parts of this, you know, I, I, I never consider that a part of a movie is fake. Maybe because all of a movie is fake, but. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But, but like, yeah, like I, I know, like I know this movie tricked me. Like if I, if I were to start talking about plot details and what happens, anyways, you'd probably correct me. Like, well, that doesn't. We can, we can talk a little <laughs> bit about it. I just, I don't want to spoil anything major. Yeah. 
But I, I, I add this to the list of excellent Korean films that include hypnotism. <laughs> <laughs> this old boy. I'm sure there's a few other ones. But um, yeah, no, it's it from a technical standpoint, not just a story standpoint, but especially a technical standpoint. It's impeccable. One of one of the best uses of sound design I might have ever seen in the film. And the mm-hmm. coolest thing about it is some of the best parts of the sound design is when there's no sound. I mean, much much of this film is it basks in the silence. And it's not a horror movie, but it kind of is. And that's all thanks to the way that it's shot and the way that it sounds. Similar to like and random weird comparison, but the first paranormal activity has a droning sound throughout the whole thing that's supposed to make you feel uncomfortable. This has the same thing, but it's the sound of the washing machine. And it only plays when the detective is on the screen. Because your main protagonist, you're not supposed to fear, but you fear him in this movie because that noise automatically equates to something being off. Which is very interesting to me. And then it also equates to things in his personal life that I don't want to spoil. Mm. But I love I love that kind of stuff. I think it's great. And even when there's no sound and all you hear is just the water dripping or the water flowing down the cabinet onto the floor, getting closer to somebody, like, it's scary because of how the sound works. I don't know. I think it's very, very cool. I, I did, like, see, like, that wasn't a detail that I picked up when I watched the movie. I only got that after I watched uh I watched a great um video it, essay. Um, the there is no Yeah, is it uh, the uh, let me I'll see if we're talking about the same one cuz the I it's, there's an excellent one. Yeah, it's by the guy who um, did that new David Lynch uh Wizard of Oz movie thing documentary. I watched the one by Spikima movies. He's he's great. Oh, he's just a great YouTuber in general, yeah. but you should definitely watch his video. It's very, very good. Yeah, this one, this was actually one, this was a video essay. It wasn't like a YouTube video essay, I guess. It was like a, it was like one of the supplements that come with the movie because they have okay. it, they have some of the supplements on the Criterion channel mm. and he, he points out that sign, sound design thing. What a me. Criterion for this. I, yeah. Hey. It's very, very pretty. The copy looks you good on that sale. Get on the sale. I did. I'm going back tonight. Good. <laughs> I bought a Hollywood Shuffle. My third shuffle. time this month going back already. I'll, you get? I got Hollywood Shuffle on the sale nice. so far. I'll, be, nice. I'll probably go back a second time. I'll tell you right now. Here, wait, let me grab them. They're right next to Since November 1st, these are the criterions that I've purchased. Mm-hmm. The Celebration. Mm-hmm. Inside Lewin Davis. Right. Ikaru. Mm-hmm. Husbands. Polyester. Mishima. Oh. And Cure. And then I'm going back tonight. Mishima, that's a movie I really need to rewatch. I haven't seen it yet. It's something. My mom, there's a part in in the in like this big golden room, and my mom made me turn it off, and I had to watch the rest of it by myself. I'll just really? I'll just say that to you, and you'll know what part it is. <laughs> Alrighty. And you you'll be surpri- you'll be like, really? She made you stuff the movie. It's a, but it's. There's a little fun mm. fact for you to hold on to when you watch it. Hell yeah. Any any chance I get to think of you while watching a movie, I'll do oh, it. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but yeah, also the, the camera work in this movie where it's just those steady, steady long takes mm-hmm. where in any other film it would be the most mundane activity happening. But in here, it's scary because complete with the sounds, complete with the way the camera moves, it makes you feel so uneasy and... The guy in that video also, the the line that he chose to say, I thought summed up the movie great, where it's about the horrors of the mundane experiences of every day. That the, the, the filmmaker cherishes when you're doing, you know, those moments in your day where you're doing nothing. Mm-hmm. I feel the filmmaker is, there's a certain like fear when it comes to how you're just alone and you have nothing to do. And, like, I don't know how to kind of explain what I'm trying to say, but he really is a master at creating that feeling and the uneasiness of being alone and feeling like anything could happen at any point. Mm -hmm. And there's the sound also helps, like, 
something happens earlier in this movie that I don't want to get into. But since it happened, and the sound that accompanies it plays throughout the rest of the movie, so you're in a constant state of uneasiness because at any moment you feel like it could happen again. And I think that's very cool. The story is also great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know, we haven't really mentioned the story, but it is, it's very, 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 very good. It's just hard to talk about this movie without spoiling it, but I really don't want to. I want people to go into it on its own and really experience it. Yeah. Normally, I mean, I know we could do a pause this and come back, but I don't want to. I want people to watch it and get their own reaction out of it. I really liked it. I I don't know what else to say without spoiling it, but it's a technical masterpiece on every level. And it's one of those films that you keep thinking about and that you're going to gain more on subsequent rewatches. And that's the sign of a masterpiece to me more often than not. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that is what if I can keep digging in and finding stuff. That's really all I'm looking for. And as I said, I literally don't think I even understand the plot of this movie, like, coherently enough to, like, like, I couldn't spit it back out at you. Not really. Mm-hmm. Also, also, a lot of the same shit happens over and over again. It just changes a little. Kind of. Yes. Like it's, it, it's very, like... Is that, is that a negative to oh, you, no. the way that it does No, it? no. It's, it, okay. it repeats it. It's like a variation on a theme. On a, like, in music, like you can alter a theme and how it's played. You can alter the phrasing and change them. You know, jazz guy is, it's kind of like jazz in that way. <laughs> it's like, it's like a jazz yeah, no, solo. Right. And that it, it definitely requires themes. a rewatch. I, and I'm, I'm actually ready to do it. Like now. <laughs> yeah. If, if someone like if one of my friends, if I pitch this movie, then I could watch this like five with five different friends probably and not get mm. tired. Of trying to figure and it out. And everyone will get something different out of it, which is great. There is this one specific thing, which is how ha- the detective, like, he gets pissed, like, when he gets pissed off, you know? Oh, wait, no way! I love that. I thought he looked so familiar. The main detective of this movie is the same guy from Perfect Days, the movie I just saw. Really? Yes. And his That's performance incredible. in Perfect Days is the best performance I've seen this year so far. So if that doesn't make you want to watch the movie aside from the great soundtrack, you got to watch that movie. That's crazy. I thought he looked so familiar. He is awesome in this. Oh, he's great. I want yeah. to like just enthralling. Like mm-hmm. I was fascinated with everything he did on screen. I couldn't mm-hmm. take my eyes off. of him. Not at all. There, there, there's so many little things in the movie. Like I want to like, like dig into like there's the old the archival footage from like the early 1900s or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And like like I I have no clue like like there's probably some there's stuff there. I just like I like I feel like I'm missing something, which is kind of how uh the detective seems to feel for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and it put me right in his shoes. This kind of ties in with the Hunger Games movie. <laughs> oh my god. Like as it's I'm, exciting to talk as about. As I'm saying this out loud, I'm like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, this movie is is phenomenal. I love the... Mm-hmm. I guess every... Like, the X's, too. I feel like there's an moment in this movie with exes that isn't seared into my brain kind of like scorsese and the departed mm. I, I was hearing Look, whole, i was hearing this i was hearing that th- that there's like some depart co- departed connections oh, you never knew about that yeah in this movie yeah i, I didn't well, i've never seen the departed in the departed well keep an eye out for it in the departed every time someone's about to die there's an x on the screen mm. it's somewhere in the background yeah I see. Well, I guess I will see <laughs> when I watch the movie. Well, right now, I'm pretty confident in that I'm going to give it this uh, a 10 out of 10. Same. It, it, it could go down, but I don't think it will. It really is. a It's a technical marvel, and the story is excellent. It, it just I could talk about it forever, and I really want to rewatch it and maybe one day we can have a more in-depth 
spoiler discussion, but right now go watch it and figure it out for yourself and experience it. But mm-hmm. I'm going to give it a 10 out of 10. Me too. I'm giving it a 10. All righty, look at Blew that. Good job, away. Cody. You had a good last recommendation. For real. Banger. <laughs> Straight banger. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do some questions. Yeah. Our first question comes from Vincenzo, and he asks, what is the most hilariously bad movie you've ever watched? Um, like that the movie being that bad actually gave me joy, not just I made fun yeah. of it and that gave yes. me joy. Okay. I mean, I would say you can include both in that. I guess I, I already gave away the other one, which was that Whispering Man, the Whispering Man movie. Yes. That, that's like, gotcha. I gotta watch that's that. my pick for like movie I had to make fun <laughs> because it was so bad. A movie that's... I'm trying to think of some... I, I love Poultrygeist, but I feel like that's more of a parody than a bad movie. Yeah, it's also so more camp really that. than, like, bad. Yeah. Like, there's just oh, I got one. shit. My favorite guilty pleasure movie is The Boondock Saints, because it's a bad movie, but I love it so much, and I think it's very funny. I need. A, I really need to rewatch that movie, because I just watched it once, and I was like, this was fun, and, like... No, once is not enough. <laughs> and I and I never went back and watched it again. <laughs> so I should go back and rewatch so good. it. Is Whisper Man your pick? Is what? Uh, I let, let me try and find one that is like I just like think is great, and mm-hmm. just just not that maybe for the reasons the director thought it was great. <laughs> to be honest, I don't know. Nah, the point of the. F- Fast and Furious movies, like, they put in all the family stuff, but that's, like, it is about the spectacle and shit, though. And, like, that stuff's just become part of the over-the-top spectacle anyways. I'll go, I I can go with a whispering man, but feels like a cop-out. You know what, I'll just give a little shout to to a little little short film called uh, The Royale Incident. It's on Letterbox. Interesting. I'll just shout that out. Oh, I have to check that one out. I've never heard of it. The Royale incident. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait till you see okay, the. I'll look it, it up. I can't wait till you see the director's names. The director's name. I'm gonna look. Yeah, right I, now. I, I, I got what. <laughs> do my live reaction. Like Royale, like R O. Oh yes. Y A L E. Yeah. A. The Royal yeah, what? The, yeah. You got it right. You got Royale right. Yeah. R O Y A. And it's incident. Yeah, incident. Warren Lester. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's Warren's movie. <laughs> I'm oh. in. We, we, he made, we made this, like... You are in it. I see you in the cast list. <laughs> nice. That's the... Adding to watch list. Ta- ta- a movie that is entertaining to me for reasons outside of... <laughs> for reasons I know were outside where, of the director. Where can I watch this? I can send you a link. <laughs> Please do. <laughs> this one you still need a link to, so it's 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 hidden. That's but fine. I'll, Please send me I the will. link. I will. I'll grab it. Hell yeah. But yeah, that's my pick. The Royale Incident. A movie I enjoyed for reasons the director didn't intend. <laughs> Alrighty. Okay. Alright. Yeah. Um, so we don't really have many, many questions, because a lot of the questions I want to save for next week, because they're actually related to next okay. week. Okay. Alrighty, so I think it's going to do it for this episode for this week. Whose recommendation is it? Is it mine or yours? Yeah. Who usually goes after Let me see. What's me? the diary? I think it is you. Let's see. Uh, yeah, let's go on Spotify. Oh, God. Um, oh. I'm looking right now. Yeah, the last the recommendation gl- that we I re- did. No, I think it might be Was me. Glenn Miller. Oh, I didn't yeah. tell her. Yes, it is. it is. No, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, it's you. It's me. Yep. Uh... It'll be our our Thanksgiving movie, so make it count. Oh, jeez. Well, I can't make it with the... Oh. You know what? I might. I watched this movie last night by Greg Araki called The Doom Generation. But I don't know. Wait, I think I know what this is. I'm going to recommend it. I really loved it. It was phenomenal and like over the top. Yeah, wait, this has been on my watch list forever. Uh, yeah. I actually almost started watching this the other day, and I didn't start it. I watched, I've been trying to catch up on his filmmaking. I need to watch Mysterious Skin and I watched Smiley Face. I've seen Nowhere. I'll probably, and White Bird and I'll probably try watching Mysterious Skin <laughs> before we, because yeah, I'm a pick, you know what? I'm a pick the Doom Generation. 
because it's really crazy. Okay. And over the top and. No, yeah, I watch. Yeah. I want to watch. I want you. Th- I watch this with my sister and her boyfriend. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, if you don't want to be spoiled for the Doom Generation from 1995 by Greg, how do you say his last I name? I think it's Iraqi or Iraqi. I don't know. Okay. Either one. Watch it by next week. We will be talking next week also about Hunger Games and the Marvel. So watch those two if you would like. But till then, I am John. I'm Turner. And thank you for listening. You can follow us on all our socials, which we'll have up soon, and our letterboxes, which will be in the description. So have a good uh, five nights at Freddy's, and enjoy yourself. Peace.